You are listening to Pokemon Rose, a nostalgic look back at the Pokemon franchise. I'm your host, Dan Hughes, and special thanks to good friend of the show, Stefan H. Zimond, uh, for that wonderful intro that you're hearing right now. It's season two, baby. That's right. I'm calling it season two because we are officially in new territory. Well, maybe not new for you, but new for me. Well, that's not even true. I guess it's old, new. It's kind of weird. Let me explain. So I've gone uh, into great detail on this show about how I played Pokemon Red and Blue, Gold and Silver, and Ruby and Sapphire pretty extensively when I was a kid as they were coming out. But we are officially in the Diamond, Pearl, and Platinum era. And what that means for me personally is I didn't play those when they came out. Well, that's not strictly true. I tried them. I tried Pokemon Diamond. I remember my brother Jack had gotten a Diamond version. And I actually don't know to what extent he played them. I think he played them pretty uh, pretty diligently, like I did the previous titles. But regardless, maybe I'll talk to him about it and maybe I'll have him on the show. That'd be fun. But I never really engaged with them uh, past picking a starter Pokemon. Uh, there was something about this new game. It was on the Nintendo DS, and it didn't it didn't quite click with me like the other games did. And you know, it's funny. I remember specifically not liking how the uh, the way that you chose the attacks that your Pokemon used in battle was on the bottom screen of the DS. There was something about it that felt slower to me. And oh gosh, I must have been thirteen or fourteen when they came out. And, uh, I just, I, there's something about it where I, I just remember consciously thinking, maybe I'll skip this one. And then I proceeded to skip all of them until Sword and Shield, (laughs) realistically. So I went back, especially during this, uh, this time of kind of reflection, looking at these Pokemon games, and I really delved into Diamond, Pearl, and especially Platinum. And I'm here to say that young Dan was a fool. He was a moron. He's what we in the business call an idiot. That's right. I wish I had not skipped these because they're maybe the best Pokemon games. I, 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 okay. I'm going to, I don't know. I may not stake that claim just yet, but I will say that having replayed all of the games now, having gone into them and explored them in a way that I uh, hadn't when they were released, Man, I really think these Diamond and Pearl games are uh, cream of the crop. I'm going to go into a lot of the different reasons why in the coming episodes. If you've listened to this show, you know that the first episode in any of these uh, new eras is usually kind of a recap of what to expect and my general thoughts on them, not to mention my experience with them. But things are going to be a little different this time because I didn't have any experience with them. So I wanted to talk uh, a little bit about what I'm going to delve into, having played these games for the first time fairly recently. Um, But first, I'd like to kind of talk about my headspace when I was the age I was when these games came out. I think that I never fell into what a lot of my friends did, which was the mentality that Pokemon was childish or for kids or baby games. Um, 
I knew a lot of people growing up who almost felt like they had to uh, stake their claim, I guess, on maturity by saying that Pokemon was stupid or it was for kids. And I never understood that. And I think that even when I didn't play Diamond and Pearl, that kind of rhetoric that my friends would use kind of struck me as mean, a little cruel, because I knew my friends, you know, they they played Pokemon like crazy, just like I did, right? And I had the wherewithal when I was younger to acknowledge that I didn't hate Pokemon, far from it. I still really loved it. I loved all of the experiences that I had with the previous generations, but I didn't feel the need to distance myself from them. I just didn't want to play them anymore. And when I look back on the reason why, I don't think it's because I was put off by them any more than I, you know, I've already described with the, I think that was my initial turn off the kind of gameplay and I just never went back to it. It was one of those situations where I kind of turned it on and then never went back to it. I think the reason that I didn't really delve into it and didn't eschew it from my, my library was because I was playing a lot of other games by that age you know, 12, 13, I was deep into Final Fantasy, uh, crazy into Kingdom Hearts, I still am. Um, Zelda had kind of taken over my life. Ocarina of Time was um, something that I played over and over again at this point in my life. And I started getting into more mature games like the Silent Hill series. And I really lost a lot of time to Dead Rising. And I was looking to play games that had a little more uh, I guess oomph. And what I didn't realize was that if I had just stuck with Diamond and Pearl, uh, they would have been in that category. Although I will say this, I don't know that I would have had the intellectual maturity at the time to recognize that they were on the same level as those other games that I mentioned. I think that I probably would have seen it as another Pokemon game that maybe changed things up a little too much for my liking, and that kind of put me off from the uh, the overall just sort of vibe of the series. It, it, it's a really weird thing for me to look back on this, because I don't know that I would have liked them so much now had I played them when I was a kid, which is crazy to think about, because I still enjoy red, blue, gold, silver, ruby, and sapphire as much or more than I did as a kid. So I don't know why this is a this was a blind spot necessarily beyond what I've already described, but it certainly was, and I'm glad that I came back to them. I guess that's the pin that I'll put in that conversation for now. So on that subject, I just want to say, if you are 13 or 14 and you found this uh, this show... Uh, don't let anyone tell you that what you like is stupid. I find that to be really lame. <laughs> and I think it's something that you come to realize as you grow up. But if you like something, it's because it speaks to you. And it's because there's something in it that you want to explore. So if you like something and your friends are telling you that it's stupid or kid stuff or whatever... Uh, don't listen to them. Keep enjoying it, right? Like I said, I don't think that's the reason why I didn't do this, even though I did have friends who said that. Uh, but 
I definitely had other games like that. Other movies, other shows, books, all kinds of things. And, uh, you know, the fact of the matter is, you're attracted to the pop culture that you are because it speaks to you. And that's really important and something to hold on to. So, with that out of the way, I want to talk about some of the amazing things that we're going to look at with Diamond, Pearl, and Platinum. And I think I'm also going to start using the shorthand Generation 4 or Gen 4, uh, just because I'm going to be talking about these games interchangeably. But one of the things that I am really looking forward to diving into is the revamp of Pokemon that Gen 4 did. It's something that I don't think I really picked up on until I played through all of them. But boy, it, it feels like it's almost like a soft reboot, to use a film term. A soft reboot of the series that takes a lot of the tropes, a lot of the mechanics, uh, a lot of the story elements, a lot of the characters, and iterates them on them in a way that almost says, you know, hey, these, this is kind of what we wanted to tell way back in the day, right? Uh, this is kind of the story that we wanted to look at. It's um, a joke that uh, a friend of the show, Aaron, and I talk about consistently, which is the idea that F. Scott Fitzgerald kept writing books until he wrote The Great Gatsby. He basically had a million rough drafts of The Great Gatsby until that book came out, if you've ever read any of his other work. And I feel like the Gen 4 games are like, okay, the, pre the previous three generations were rough drafts for the story that we wanted to tell in Gen 4, and the character development we wanted to see, and the Pokemon and the world building and everything, right? Everything that we've talked about on this show, the mythology of the Pokemon world, the characters with ambitions and dreams, the world that's been created, the different Pokemon that you see, the relationships that you create with Pokemon, uh, the idea of the ace Pokemon and how that's so important to who you are as a person. All of these different things show up in the Gen 4 games in a way that elevates them beyond just telling the same story again. And I think that the kind of things that I want to talk about with this particular chunk of the Pokemon retrospective is how Team Galactic and Cyrus, the leader, really became the pinnacle of villains until a much, much later entry in the series. I want to talk about the importance of the ace Pokemon in a new generation and what that means, uh, both for the groundwork that was laid in previous entries and for future uh, stories that are being told. Specific, specifically around Lucario, uh, the enigmatic Pokemon that shows up on Steel Island. But I also really want to talk about how this game, to me, really emphasizes how global this world of Pokemon is, how universal it is. The mythology of Dialga, Palkia, Giratina, and Arceus is something really special and something that I think really propelled the Pokemon series to a new point of uh, narrative interest that I don't know would have happened had they not been introduced at this time. Uh, 
The idea that there is a true cosmology to the Pokemon world, there's a mythopoeia, which is a fancy religious studies term, meaning a way that the world was created and a way that it functions. I mean, really just beautifully ties together a lot of the themes that we've looked at. And specifically, I want to talk about how those Pokemon, the differences in the story, the new professor, the new characters, the new rival, and most importantly, the new antagonist, bring together the world of Pokemon in a way that is so interesting and dynamic that it really encourages the player to think about their own place in the universe, what their dreams mean for universal tranquility, and how exploring oneself can lead to the betterment of the world. It's a tall order for us to talk about, but I'm really excited to do it. And I'm always uh, a little um, on edge with these kind of first episodes because they really are kind of teasers and thesis statements for what I'm going to be talking about. But I really wanted to lay the groundwork for what we're going to be looking at because this is going to be a long part of this series. I can't wait to dive into real particular aspects of these games, um, what I noticed as an adult playing them, and how I'm glad that I engaged with them recently on this kind of kick to play all the Pokemon games that I missed. So come join me. We have a lot to talk about. It's going to be very exciting. See you there.